Good morning and welcome to worship on this beautiful Lord's Day. Our call to worship this morning comes from Psalm 50. The mighty God, even the Lord, hath spoken and called the earth from the rising of the sun unto the going down thereof. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God hath shined. Our God shall come and shall not keep silence. A fire shall devour before him. And it shall be very tempestuous round about him. He shall call to the heavens from above and to the earth that he may judge his people. Gather my saints together unto me, those that have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. And the heavens shall declare his righteousness, for God is judge himself. Selah. Please turn with me to the end of the Old Testament, to the book of Malachi. And our scripture reading this morning comes from Malachi 3, verse 13, and we're going to be reading into chapter 4, to chapter 4, verse 6. Malachi 3, verse 13. This is the word of our Lord. Your words have been stout against me, saith the Lord. Yet ye say, what have we spoken so much against thee? Ye have said, it is vain to serve God, and what profit is it that we have kept his ordinance, and that we have walked mournfully before the Lord of hosts? And now we call the proud happy. Yea, they that work wickedness are set up. Yea, they that tempt God are even delivered. Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it, and a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. Then shall ye return and discern between the righteous and the wicked, between him that serveth God and him that serveth him not. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings. And ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked. For they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet. In the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes of his judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. So far the reading of God's holy and infallible word. I remember the night of December 31st, 1999. We were looking at the clock with, by this time, a a tiny bit of trepidation, waiting for the new millennium uh, to arrive. Now, some of us obviously don't remember uh, this because you weren't born yet, but This was the time of the Y2K scare. It was thought at the time that because the internal clocks of electronics only went to 1999, that when the year 2000 happened and these clocks attempted to turn over, that there would be chaos, that many electronics would cease to work and that our world would fall apart. And leading up to this new year, there were a lot of people who thought that 
This is what was actually going to happen that at 12 o'clock a.m. on January 1st, 2000, the world was going to descend into chaos. And we know, and thankfully, this did not happen. Our, our world continued forward. And this isn't the only example of this happening in history. The history of humanity is full of examples of, of end-of-world scares. There's been myriads of, of false prophets and, and end-of-world predictions. People at the beginning of the previous millennium were convinced that the world would end January 1st, 1,000. It never happened. In fact, in the past 50 years, we have thought that nuclear weapons, that communism, that Islamic terrorism, COVID-19, acid rain, and possibly global warming will bring about the end. None of them so far have done so. Some of you remember a man by the name of Harold Camping, the founder of Family Radio. He predicted that the world would end May 21st, 2011. It did not occur. Others of you are familiar with the Mayan calendar, which a calendar which ends on December 21st, 2012. Well, the calendar ended, but the world didn't. Our fascination with the cataclysmic demise of the world is, is fascinating. It's, it's interesting. We have this fascination towards the end of the world. In fact, whether we're Christian, atheist, secularist, or, or some other religion, everyone seems to have some sort of belief that this world will someday end. And maybe this is an innate belief. An innate belief that we get because of our innate knowledge of God. But scripture, scripture is very clear. Very clear that there will be a judgment day. That there will be a destruction of this world. Now we do not know when it will arrive. But we do know that it is coming. We do know that it is near. And what scripture often calls the last day is, often calls it the day of the Lord. Joel speaks about this day. Several prophets do. Joel announces the day of the Lord in, in chapter 2 verse 11 and also 31. He says that the, that the day of the Lord is great and very terrible and who can abide it? It will be a day in which the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord come. Zephaniah speaks about this day in chapter 1 verses 14 and 15. He says, the great day of the Lord is near. It is near <coughs> and hasteth greatly. Even the voice of the day of the Lord the mighty man shall cry there bitterly. That day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of wasteness and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness. Peter speaks about the day of the Lord in his second epistle. He says, The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. And now Malachi, the, the book, the passage we're, we're looking at this morning, he says this, he says, For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. 
But unto you that fear my name shall the son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings. And ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked. For they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet. And the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Malachi shows us here that there will be a terrible day. A day of judgment in which the wicked will be punished by the Almighty. A day in which God will visibly intervene in time to bring judgment upon the earth. But he also shows us that this day will be a day when God's righteous people, a day they're looking forward to, a day when they will be healed, a day when they will be restored. And Malachi announces here, and this is the title of our sermon, that the day of the Lord is coming, and that it will either be coming to destroy you, or the day will be coming to heal you. Malachi says in these first few verses, he announces that the day is coming in which the proud, and which all that do wickedly will be burnt up. Malachi was a prophet during the time of Nehemiah. He was the last prophet of the Old Testament. He's following after Haggai and and Zechariah. His message comes to the remnant of the Jewish people who are now back in in the land of Israel, who are are now living in and around Jerusalem following the, the Babylonian captivity. And over the past 75 or so years, this remnant has come back. They've rebuilt the temple and the walls of Jerusalem. Temple worship has, has now resumed in Jerusalem. And the worship of foreign gods has, has ceased. The remnant that has returned to Jerusalem are anticipating that the Lord is now going to restore their nation. That now is the time that they're going to be able to throw off the shackles of their new, their new masters, the Persians, and that they're going to be able to set up this great earthly kingdom. However, if you're familiar with the history of what's happening, as we see it in the books of Ezra and Nehemiah, you'll see that These Israelites are, in fact, beset by trouble. They've had many enemies who've opposed their rebuilding efforts. They've had financial and economic troubles. They have not thrived like they anticipated. They have not reaped the milk and honey of the land that they hoped. And then when Malachi begins his prophecy, when he begins prophesying to these people, he he doesn't announce the arrival of the kingdom that these people are expecting, but he comes to them and he announces that the day of the Lord is coming. Now the day of the Lord, as it's found in Scripture, doesn't... always specifically appearing or referring to just the last day. There's many days of the Lord. Scripture speaks about the day of the Lord. I earlier read from Joel, Zephaniah, and the epistle of Peter who prophesied concerning the day of the Lord. Isaiah also speaks of it. He says in in chapter 13, verse 6, Howl ye, for the day of the Lord is at hand. It shall come as a destruction from the Almighty. The Apostle Paul speaks of the day of the Lord too. He speaks of it coming like a thief in the night when we least suspect it. What are these days of the Lord that Scripture keeps referring to? In many of these verses I've shared, they, they appear to be, they, they are days of, of cursing, days of judgment. But we also see See, days where they're referred to as days of blessing. Do they refer to many different days or do they refer to the, 
only the final day of the Lord. Well, these days of the Lord, they're exceptional. They're extraordinary days that occur periodically throughout the course of history. And they culminate in the great day of days or the final judgment day. These are are not normal days. These are are not normal days where the normal events of blessing and judgment take place. But these are days, as it were, figuratively, where the Lord descends from heaven. And He powerfully reveals His sovereignty over history, over time, and over people. It is as if God is coming down as if he's interrupting the regular affairs of time to to come down and, and bring judgment or blessing or both. And if you look at these days of the Lord, you'll see that they're always God's response to sin. God, as it were, interferes in time, interferes in history to do something powerfully about sin. These are days where special judgment is brought against sinners. Or there are days in which salvific blessings are poured out upon his people. In Malachi's prophecy, he speaks about both. He speaks about judgment. He speaks about blessing. And he begins his prophecy about the day of the Lord in our text. In chapter 4, verse 1, he says, For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. Malachi announces that this day will make a separation between the wicked And the righteous. And it will destroy those. Destroy the proud. And those that do wickedly. And we see here in verse 1. He describes this day as. Burning as. An oven. Now when. He speaks about an oven here. When he talks about an oven. he's, He's not speaking about the oven we have in our kitchen. He's actually. Talking about. A refiner's fire. He speaks about a refiner's fire uh, in, in chapter 3, verse 2. This isn't a small oven. This is an oven where, 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 refi- where they refine iron. An oven in which the temperature gets up to 2,500 degrees Fahrenheit. So on the day of the Lord... As Malachi says, God's wrath will be poured out upon the wicked. And it will be a hot and a terrible wrath. It will be like a fire, like a refiner's fire, exceedingly hot. And it will totally consume the arrogant and the proud. And next, Malachi compares the arrogant and those do, that, that do wickedly to stubble. And he says, all the proud, yea, and all that do wicked shall be stubble. Now, I'm sure many of you know, or most of you know, but stubble is the remnants of, of grain off, after it's been harvested. And it's really, really dry. There's no use for it. Except to make straw. But what do you think happens to dry stubble when you throw it into a 2,500 degree fire? There's a flash of fire. And it's gone. It's burned up. It's destroyed. All that is left is a tiny pile of ash. Malachi here is picturing for us what God's wrath will do to the wicked on the last day. They will be instantly 
and completely destroyed. This is confirmed by Malachi's next words. In the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither with root nor branch. They shall utterly be destroyed. This doesn't mean that they will cease to exist. This isn't saying or advocating annihilation. But it's saying here that by destroying root and branch, there will be no possibility that their evil will continue to spread. It won't spread through their branches. They won't regrow through their roots. They will not be able to reproduce their evil. They'll no longer be able to influence with or spread their evil. They will be finished. They will no longer be able to influence influence or oppress God's creation and His people. But God's justice for their wickedness will be perfectly meted out as they face an eternity under His wrath. This is how God deals with sin. Outside of the grace and mercy offered through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He rains down His perfect justice on those who have broken His good law. He brings utter destruction upon those who live Lives of rebellion. Now it's easy to understand. It's easy to condone when God rains down his wrath on the wicked. It's easy to think of murderers, rapists, idolaters, and blasphemers coming under the wrath of God. It's it's easy to think of them being destroyed on the great day of the Lord. But the hard thing about this passage is that this isn't who Malachi is bringing this message to. This particular message is to the temple attending, sacrifice giving, prayer offering people who identify themselves as the Lord's people. So why is Malachi bringing this message of judgment to these people? they're, They're unlike the Israelites before the captivity in Babylon. They don't they don't serve Baal any longer. They don't serve the goal the calves of of Dan and Bethel. They no longer offer their children as sacrifice to Moloch. They don't they don't set up altars in the temple to foreign gods anymore. They call themselves the people of God and, and they're, they're dutifully worshipping at the temple. They're, they're dutifully bringing their sacrifices. And if we were able to, to go back to that time, if we were able to, to look at these people from afar, everything would seem fine. They looked like the people of God. They're bringing their sacrifices. They're they're doing their duties. They appear to be God-fearing Israelites. But if we zoom in, if we look a little bit closer, we'll actually find that this was not the case. There were glaring sins that contradicted these people's identification as the people of God. The fact is that these people only outwardly served the Lord. Their heart was far from Him. They offered sacrifices to God, but these are often the second best or third best or the animals they didn't want. They were the sick or blemished animals. They gave gifts, but these were leftover gifts, not complete tithes. They left their wives and married foreign women. They oppressed and took advantage of the weak, of the poor, and of the stranger. And to top it all off, 
When confronted with their sins, they complained about serving the Lord because he did not give them what they wanted. He didn't give them prosperity. He didn't give them this earthly kingdom that they desired. We see this in chapter 3, verse 14, where the Lord confronts them and says, Ye have said it is vain to serve God. And what profit is it that we have kept his ordinance and that we have walked mournfully before the Lord of hosts? The Lord wanted to be honored by his people, but he received no honor. The priests despised his name, and they sacrificed up the blind, the lame, and the sick for sacrifices. They refused to acknowledge their sin. These Israelites, yes, they looked like God's people, but their hearts... Their hearts were far from him. They performed the rituals of religion, but they did not love the God of their religion. They served themselves expecting God to give them the prosperous and easy life that they, they desired. They wanted and demanded a day of the Lord to come in which their worldly desires would, would be fulfilled. Well, Malachi tells them that a day of the Lord is coming. But it will not be the one that they expect or desire. On this day, the day of judgment, the Lord will enact His anger upon these faithless people. And He shall burn them up. He will destroy them, leaving neither root nor branch. There will be nothing left but eternal torment, judgment, and despair. And when Malachi speaks about the day of the Lord here, he's speaking about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Christ comes both in his incarnation and he comes as judge at the last day. But for the people here, Christ's first coming, his incarnation, which will be a day of the Lord, it will not be a blessing to them. They have no need for the Savior, no need for the Messiah. And it would contribute, this would contribute to their judgment on the final great and terrible day of the Lord. But as we look over this message, we look over this passage in in Malachi, this message forces ourselves, forces us to ask ourselves some serious questions questions. As we explore this passage further, we see that Malachi has made a distinction between those who fear the Lord and and those who do not. He's not making a distinction here between the wicked heathen and, and the Israelites. But he's making a distinction between the wicked and godly within the covenant community. All of us, or most of us here, call ourselves Christians. We, like the Israelites, are the covenant people of God. We take part in the sacraments. We profess faith. We are members of the church. At the very least, we have been baptized. We call ourselves the people of God, just like the people in Malachi's day did. And therefore, as we look through this passage, we're forced to ask ourselves if we are just like these people. Malachi's message forces us, forces you to examine your heart, to, to examine your motives, to see if indeed you, you do know and love the Lord and if you are bearing fruits of righteousness. Now, this isn't an easy message. This isn't a popular message to bring, but this is a message we see constantly throughout Scripture. The prophets often brought it. And Jesus himself warns many times of those that believe they are his, but he does not know them. The epistles, Paul, 
calls us to examine ourselves, to, to make our calling and election sure. And that we are strive to enter into the kingdom of heaven. So we have to ask ourselves some serious questions. Are we going through the motions like these Israelites were? Are you only coming to church, attending the sacraments, because this is what is culturally appropriate for you to do? It's expected of you. Are you putting money in the collection plate to be, to be seen or to honor the Lord? And how are you treating those around you? Are you tyrants in your home and business? Are you taking advantage of others? Are you being faithful to your spouse? Like these Israelites, your actions are symptoms of your heart. They show whether you really love the Lord Jesus Christ. If you are not trusting, if you are not depending, if you are not living out of Christ, if He's not your only hope, if you are not displaying the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. This day, when it comes, and it will come, will be a terrible day for you. If you are thinking that your identity as a Christian, your church attendance, your doctrine adhering, your sacrament performing will keep you safe when the day of the Lord arrives. You are gravely mistaken. This day will not be a day of healing for you, but a terrible day of despair and destruction. But this great day of the Lord has not yet come upon you. There is still time. It's not wise to continue blindly forward, trusting your eternal safety to outward observance. To your experience. Your observance or allegiance to reformed doctrine will not save you. Your spiritual experience from ten years ago will not save you. You must be born again. And only Jesus Christ can save you. And when that great and terrible day of the Lord comes, your safety, your hope of salvation can only be found In Jesus Christ alone. This is why the Lord brings us His messages of judgment. This is why the Lord calls us to examine ourselves. Because He loves His covenant people. He cares for His covenant people. He wants us to be founded on the only sure foundation on Jesus Christ Himself. And so I urge all of us to examine our hearts. Praying that the Lord would uncover those of us who are trusting in faulty and false foundations. And that we would flee to Him repenting of our sins and grasping hold of the promises of the gospel. Believing and trusting in Jesus Christ alone, the only one who can deliver us on that great and terrible day of the Lord. And that day is coming. For many, it will be a horrible day, but for many others, it will be an awesome and blessed day. The day of the Lord is coming. For many, 
It will be a horrible day, but for many others, it will be an awesome and blessed day. A day that will heal you. There were those in Malachi's day for which this was true. There was a remnant of people that feared the Lord. Look with me at chapter 3, verse 16. Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. And they shall be mine, saith the Lord, in that day when I make up my jewels. And I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. Malachi tells us also in chapter 4 verse 2 that upon those who fear God's name, the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. And they shall go out and grow fat like stall-fed calves. Malachi tells us that these righteous ones are those who fear God. They thought on him and they esteemed his name. These were the people of the returned remnant. Whose identity was not based on their... Necessary religious preferences or practices, but on the God of their religion. They feared and loved the Lord. Their wills were being conformed to the will of their God. And they looked forward to the day of the Lord when Christ would come. When he would be born, when he would rule, and when he would come again. And it's for these people. That the day of the Lord will not be a day of despair. But it's a long-awaited day of joy. For it is on this day that their son of righteousness will arise with healing in his wings. It's on this day when this son will drive away their night. When their Messiah will come and establish his kingdom and rule forever. Now this, in this verse in Malachi, this is the only place in the Bible where Jesus is referred to of the son of righteousness. But we know that this is him, not only because it fits him, but because the Old Testament refers to him as being our son and the Lord our righteousness. And the New Testament refers to Jesus as being the light of the world and the light of men. Thus confirming that this son of righteousness is indeed Jesus. And for these Old Testament saints, Christ arising as the son of righteousness would and will be progressively fulfilled both in his birth and in his coming again on the last day. His work of healing and restoration will be accomplished in his suffering, in his death and resurrection. The full application of this restoration will not occur until he returns on the last day. And when Christ returns, he will return with healing in his wings. In the days of Malachi, the rays of the sun were often pictured as as being wings. And the picture that Malachi is drawing here is of a, a sun rising and its rays of light filling the earth and driving away the darkness. The rays of the sun were, while bringing light, also bring warmth, life, and healing. And so Christ will heal his people from their sins, from all the effects of the fall. And he will restore them into his perfect image. He will bring healing and life eternal to his people. And so, dear believer, dear Christian, we together with the saints of Malachi's day, we look forward to this day. Together we eagerly await the return of our Savior and of our King. 
Malachi gives us a picture here of the, the joy we, we will experience. He says here, you shall go forth and grow up as calves from the stall. Now, commentators and the original language, they suggest here that is meant here, meant is that the righteous will go forth skipping like calves released after being penned up all winter long. I grew up on a farm, so I, I, I recognize exactly what this looks like. If you get a cow or calves that, are, that have been locked up in a barn and they're released to go out to green pasture, they'll often go out skipping and jumping, kicking their hooves in joy. Malachi is giving a, a picture here that in his day most people would recognize. And such will be the joy of the saints when the Lord returns. This will be the day when we will finally be healed. This will be the day when all of our remaining sin will finally be gone. This will be the day when we will bask in the presence of our Savior. Rejoicing in His presence. And perfectly praising His name forever. Our joy is in the Lord. And we'll finally be together with Him. There will be no separation from Him. We'll be with Him forever. And He will ever be with us. This will also be the day when the Lord vindicates His name. When He calls those to account who have perverted his name, who have called themselves by God's name, but have not displayed the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Malachi speaks about something here that's very sobering to think about, very hard to think about. He speaks about the day when the righteous will stand with the Lord and together with him will judge the wicked. Malachi says that on this day the righteous shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet. This is easy to understand when we think of standing together with the Lord and condemning the murderer, condemning the persecutor. The one who mocked God, the one who mocked God's people. It's easier to celebrate God's justice in these cases. It's easy to think of the saints walking over the ashes of these wicked ones. But the sober reality is that in this text, when Malachi is here speaking about the wicked, he's speaking about people who identify as God's people. Therefore, in the day of days, when the righteous will tread down the wicked, and the wicked will be ashes under their feet, the wicked will include fellow church members, family members, and friends. The sober reality is that the righteous will proclaim that God's judgment, that God's justice is good, and together with him will rightly condemn these wicked ones to eternal damnation. This is painful to reflect upon. This is painful to think about. But Christ tells us this is what will happen. Christ tells us this is what the gospel does. He tells us how the gospel is an offense and it will cause divide and it will cause conflict. He tells us that we will be called to forsake even family and friends for his sake. And if it's not something 
we're called to do throughout our life. It might be something as Christians we're called to do at the very end. But in the end, as Christians who love God, love the Lord who does all things well, and even this judgment on the wicked is good and just and right, in the end we will all bow under God's good justice, either safe, joyfully safe in the arms of Jesus, or bowing under his wrath. We cannot condemn God for this, for He's good and righteous and just in what He's doing. And we'll, we all will bow under His rule, either joyfully and willingly, or out of dreadful <clears throat> fear. Dear friends, today, it's July. July 2023, the day of the Lord is coming. We do not know exactly when it will come. We do not know exactly how it will come, but it's on its way and it will soon be here. How many more years, how many more days or even hours do we have As believers, we eagerly anticipate our Savior returning. We eagerly await the day when faith will be sight, when sin will be no more, when the Lord will make everything right. All our tears will be dried up, all our trials over, for our God will heal us and bring us into perfect communion with Him. But to those of you here who are not Christians, to those of you who think you are Christians but are not, to those of you who do not love the Lord, this day will not be a glorious day, but a dreadful one. On this day you will stand before a good, just, and almighty God, clothed only with your sin and hypocrisy, and you will be condemned to the fiery oven of God's wrath for all eternity. And so I beg of you, I plead with you to turn, to turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's coming to you today with this message, to this, with this message of judgment so that you would turn to him, so that you would repent of your sins, so that you would trust in him, so that you would believe the gospel for the forgiveness of your sins. And so even in this message of judgment, Christ is coming to you and inviting you to come follow him before it's too late. Think of the character of God. He brings you this message now so you would not be damned, so that you would repent and follow him. He brings you this message Because he's a merciful and kind God. So I pray, hear him. Turn, repent, and believe the gospel. And he will have mercy. And turn this day of dread into a glorious day for you. Amen. Our faithful and good God, we thank Thee, Lord, for Thy abundant goodness and mercy that Thou dost come to warn us of judgment, that Thou dost not leave us in our sin, but warns us, that Thou dost warn us about our sin. And so, Lord, we pray that for every individual here that this great day of the Lord would not prove to be a day of dread, but a day of joy. And so help us, O Lord, to to live each day 
as if this day is soon returning. Help us to be faithful according to thy word, following thy will. And, O oh Lord, we, that we would not be like these sinful Israelites just going through the motions, but that our hearts would be changed, that each of us would be born again, loving and serving thee and our neighbor. And so, Lord, we thank thee for thy abundant mercy and grace, and we pray these things all in Jesus' name. Amen.